so today we're starting a new series called Destinations. Uh, but before I get into that, I just want to encourage you <clears throat> to go see the uh, Hillsong movie. Uh, the Colanders and, and my family, we went on Friday night. And if we're going to want uh, folks to put out quality movies, then we need to support them. Um, we, my family has seen them in concert. Hillsong United is, is the, the group. They started in Australia and this kind of a documentary, but it also has a ton of music in it. And it actually says, there's a little phrase at the bottom. It says, this is a worship experience. We encourage you to worship. And so we're just singing in the movie theater and it was really cool. And I, I told Ann, I thought she was going to stand up one time. She was, she's all leaning forward in her chair and she's singing and we're just worshiping. It's a great movie and it explains to you, um, kind of the idea of how they got started, but it also shows you how difficult it is to write music and produce music and to go and do this stuff. And, and they're not rich by any stretch of the imagination and you're going to see all that kind of stuff, but I just encourage you to go to it. It's an, it's an excellent movie and you'll come out of there having worshiped. And then I want to thank you for what I just experienced. You know, not often can we hear you singing over our headphones. We have in-ear monitors and I, I was overwhelmed. I almost couldn't, couldn't sing the chorus with John on that song because of the way you participated. Um, I think there's something about praise and worship. I know there's something about praise and worship that the Satan, that Satan, the enemy does not like. And so I think when you worship the savior, it drives the enemy and his distractions far from this place. And so we need to come with that attitude every week that we're going to worship the savior come hell or high water. We're going to worship and it will drive the demonic forces far from here. And, and we'll get a clearer picture of who God is. Uh, how many of you have ever been lost before? Let me see who's, who's willing to raise your hands. All right, most of you. Now, isn't it true that people who get lost didn't mean to get lost? They didn't intend to get lost, right? And isn't it true that, that, that you don't know you're getting lost? You only know when you're already lost. I mean, it's not like you can back up a hundred steps and be found because then you're not really lost, right? So, so it's, it's only true that you know you're lost when you're lost. And if you're driving and you're lost, we, we drive with so much confidence until we realize we're lost, right? And then we're kind of tentative. And isn't it true? If you've ever driven a car and gotten lost, gotten lost, isn't it true that the road you're on determines where you come out? No matter how much you hoped or wished you were on a different road, whatever road you're on, that's, that's where you end up, right? That's where the destination is. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I talked to you about, uh, actually four weeks, no, eight weeks ago in the summer blockbuster series, I kind of introduced the principle of the path and we're going to spend about six weeks on this now. And here's what the principle of the path says. Your direction determines your destination. Now just, just a few more sentences and it's going to be reviewed. The rest of it's going to be new stuff from, from what we talked about back in the summer. This was the, um, a Knight's Tale is the movie that I use to introduce the principle of the path. But, but the best way I know how to under, how to, how to illustrate this to you is to talk about another movie, which is The Wizard of Oz. In The Wizard of Oz, Dorothy desperately wants to get home and the good witch tells her that, that there's one way she's got to go see the wizard and how do I find the wizard? And the, the good witch gives her very simple instructions. You have to follow the Look at that. Y'all know. And when I was a kid, this is the only time I ever got to stay home from Sunday night church was the one time a year that the wizard of Oz was on TV and it was on black and white. And I thought this was so convenient. I assumed that was yellow brick road. I couldn't tell on the black and white TV we had, but I thought it was so convenient that it started right there where she was. How convenient is that? And if she followed the yellow brick road, she would get to the wizard. Now, was it always easy on the yellow brick road? Were there obstacles on the yellow brick road? 
Yes, but when she followed the yellow brick road, she got to the destination. Who did she find at the end of the yellow brick road? The wizard. All right. Now, I have a question for you. Did the yellow brick road lead to the wizard only for Dorothy? If you had been on the yellow brick road, where would it have led you? To the wizard. If Donald Trump had been on the yellow brick road, where would it have led him? We assume, right? Okay, we we think it would have. If Jesus Christ himself had been on the yellow brick road, where would it have led him? To the wizard. The principle of the path says it doesn't matter who's on the path. The path leads where it's going to lead because that's the, that's the definition of a path. And this is true for every highway, every pathway, every driveway. It re- leads where it leads regardless of who's on it. So direction, not good intentions, not hopes and dreams. Direction determines your destination. Let's say that you intend to go on a, on a cruise out of Galveston. And let's say that you have been praying, you've been saving, you have now packed, you've paid, and your 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 car is loaded, and you're going to Galveston to get on a cruise ship. You hop on 79, you drive to Buffalo, Texas, you get to I-45. If when you get to I-45, you turn right and go north on I-45, are you getting on the cruise ship? No, because you're an idiot. You chose the wrong direction. You're not an idiot. You chose the wrong direction. And the principle of the path says you're going to end up where the path you're on leads. You're not getting to the cruise ship by going north. Right? That's the idea. And people understand this when we're driving. If you turn right out of here, you're going to go towards Frankston. That's just the way you're going to go. You're not going to get to Elkhart if you turn right, unless you turn around. All right? Everybody understands this. What we don't understand, though, is this applies to every area of our lives. You're on a financial path. That you have chosen, by the way, you are on a dating path. If you're, if you're single, you're on a dating path. Even if you're married, you're on a dating path. And some of our married dating paths aren't that great, right? We say all the time you need to have a date night. You're on a dating path that you've chosen. Your spiritual life is on a path. Your health life is on a path. Your work life is on a path and the direction you're heading will determine where you end up. And for far too many of you, where you hope you'll end up is not where your chosen path leads. All right, so we have all these hopes and dreams. They're over here, these wonderful, wonderful hopes and dreams. And we wake up one day and we're way over here. Can't even see them, can't smell our hopes and dreams. And we're mad at God because he didn't take us where we wanted to go. And God says, don't blame me. You chose the path. Even though you were warned, I wasn't warned. Yeah, you were. You just didn't pay attention. Bible says that Jesus is light in him. There is no darkness at all. It says in the book of John that, that he came into a dark world to illuminate the, that dark world. Jesus is light. And then look what it says about his word. David says this in Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Jesus is light. He wants to illuminate the darkness. The Bible says that we can have the mind of Christ. How we get the mind of Christ is we have to be under the authority of God's word. God's word is a lamp, a light. If you take the wrong path, it's not because Jesus wasn't available to show you the right path. It's because for whatever reason, you ignored his warning. You ignored the light and you're on a path of your choosing and it's going to lead you where you want to go. So don't blame God that your hopes and dreams are over there and you're way over there. It just doesn't make sense that you're going to blame God. I got a newsflash for you today. Direction is what destroys dreams, not God. Your direction that you've chosen 
is what will either get you to your dreams or away from your dreams. Now today we're going to look at a story in Proverbs chapter 7. And this is written by Solomon, who was the wisest man who ever lived until he had so many wives and concubines. You can't be wise after that. But before all of that happened, he he wrote this. Um, And we don't know if this actually happened or not. Uh, or if it's just an illustration of a principle, it won't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if he actually saw this happen. And then he went and talked and interviewed these, these young men that he's going to talk about and then wrote down their conversations. But, but regardless, Solomon is up in a window. He's looking out the window and he sees a young man walking down a particular path. And it takes Solomon about two seconds to figure out where this is going. How does he know? Because of the direction the young man's going. It's like if you have a toddler and you see your toddler going towards like a heater or towards an open flame or towards something, you know, if you're a parent, you know where that's going because you can see the direction that they're going. It's like when teenagers are dating and and teenagers are so focused on the here and now, you can see it. If you're a little bit older, you can see, oh, you shouldn't be going out with that person. Oh man, this is going to end badly because you can see it. It's, It's like you're sitting up in the window watching this and you know where it's going. It's like when you know somebody shouldn't get married to somebody and everybody knows they shouldn't be marrying this person and you know it's going to end badly. How do you know? Because you've seen it play out before. It happens over and over. We've seen it before. So Solomon narrates this young man's journey. And this is an example of the principle of the path. Every path has a destination. And the direction you choose will determine where you end up every time. Say every time. The direction you choose will determine where you end up every time. Say every time. Every time. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 7 beginning in verse 6. Once while I was sitting at the window of my house, I looked out through the shutters and saw some foolish young men. I noticed one of them had no wisdom. Now, when I study this, I always pull up, I have a software that I can put up several different Bible translations. I always have like nine different Bible translations and I like to pick out the one that's most clear. And in this one, it said wisdom. We talked about last week, what is the wise thing to do? So I chose this one because of wisdom. But then I started comparing what the other said. One of them said, um, I saw a young man who, who had no common sense. I, I saw one uh, that said, uh, saw a young man who had no knowledge, no understanding. And then there's an older translation of the new international version. It says, and I laughed out loud. It says, I, I saw a young man who had no sense. And I laughed because my daddy told me, boy, you got no sense. And I'm going, that came from scripture. Who knew? My dad was quoting scripture when he told me I had no sense. Now, what we're going to say today is wisdom equals judgment. And this young man had no judgment, no sense. And let me throw a little truth your way today. All youths lack judgment. If you're under 52, I'm 52, you're a youth... That means all use like judgment. Now, how dare you say that, you judgmental Pharisee? Now, hang on. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying you're inexperienced. And judgment requires time and experience. All right? Here's where I'm going with this. The reason your parents come down on you teenagers is because they think you lack judgment because you don't have time and experience. The parents are like Solomon sitting up in that window going, oh, this is going to end badly. They see the path, the principle of path that you're on. And the teenagers think, I may lack judgment, but look what you're wearing. (laughs) Judgment? John Colander has judgment? He's two months older than me. 
He should have judgment. And we talked about this Friday night. I wouldn't have put that up there if we hadn't talked about it. He goes, man, the, the, here's, here's judgment. Judgment is not ever letting your pastor have a picture that you don't want used in a sermon. Do not let that happen because it will, it will. So they're going, how can that be judgment? All right. Regardless of what you think of what they're wearing, regardless of the poses that they make, your parents have something you don't have. They have time and experience and that should, should give them judgment. And so cut them some slack. Now Solomon looks at this young man and he says, he has no judgment. He has no wisdom. Verse eight, he was walking down the street near the corner on the road leading to her house. I don't even have to go any further. And some of you are going, oh no, right? And look what it says. It was the twilight of the evening. My dad said nothing good ever happens after 1030. He's right. Janie's dad said nothing good happens after 9 p.m. She had to be in at 9 p.m. on weekdays and 930 on the weekends. I'm okay with that. That Janie wasn't out doing dumb things. The darkness of the night was just beginning. Now, does anybody see where this is headed? You, you're, you, you got it, right? He's walking down the path that leads to her house. And he's thinking, man, this night is going to be awesome. And he has this song playing through his head. And here's the song. I got a feeling. He's got on his good duds, his hair is fixed. He put on the good smelling stuff. You can see him walking down, right? I got a feeling. The old guy sitting up in the window has a very different perspective. And he has a very different song playing in his head. Here's what he's hearing. Y'all know it's right. There's such a huge difference in their perspective. The old guy has discovered the principle of the path. The young guy who has no sense, he hasn't. He thinks he's going to a fun event. He thinks he's doing a one-time deal. This is going to be it. And the old guy goes, no, no, no. This isn't a one-time deal. This is a path. It has a very predictable destination. Now let's see what Solomon says about her. Verse 10. Then the woman approached him, dressed like a prostitute and planning to trick him. She was loud and stubborn and never stayed at home. She always, she was always out in the streets or in the city squares, waiting around on the corners of the streets. She grabbed him and kissed him without shame. She said to him, I made my fellowship offerings and took some of the meat home. Today I have kept my special promises. How's that for a pickup line? What? I got a roast at home. Okay, let's, let's explain this. So back then in that, in that society to offer a fellowship offering, you would take some meat to church, all right, to the, to the temple and you would offer it. Whatever was left over, you got to take home. They didn't have refrigerators. They couldn't preserve the meat. So on the nights that they went and made their fellowship offerings, they brought the excess home and they would have a party because they wanted to eat all the meat so it wouldn't go to waste. So here's what she's saying. She's going, I'm not a prostitute, although I'm dressed like a prostitute. I'm not a prostitute. I don't need money. I'm good with God. 
In fact, I went to the temple today. I took my big old bucket of sin with me to the temple. I made my offering. I poured my bucket of sin up there. And in the Old Testament, whenever they would make an offering, whenever they would sacrifice something, they would take some of the blood and they would sprinkle the blood over people for the covering of their sins. Because in the New Testament, we're told that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. I have been to church today and I emptied my bucket. Now I want you to help me fill it back up. It's exactly what she's saying. Before we're too hard on her, can I tell you, we do the same thing. If you're Catholic, you go to the priest at confession and you dump your, your bucket of sin on the priest. Then you walk out of there feeling good. Not carrying that guilt anymore because you confessed. And confession is good for the soul. It's good. And then you go and fill it up again. And when the bucket gets too heavy, you go back to the priest and you say, forgive me, Father, it's been six months or six years or ten years since my last confession. And then you dump it out. And then you go, let's fill it up. If you're Protestant, and by the way, if you're here, <laughs> you're Protestant. You're a follower of Jesus, you know, and we're protesting the way that the Catholics did the church. If you're here, you're, you're a Protestant. Protestants just skip the priest and the confessional. Because we know in the New Testament it says we're a kingdom of priests. We're a royal priesthood. A people for God's own possession. And we have 1 John 1, 9. Which says, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, here's my sin. And then we walk out and we live any way we please. Because we have 1 John 1, 9. He has to forgive us. Do you know he doesn't? He forgives those whose hearts are broken. He forgives the humble. Not the proud. So, so if you have a bucket today and you run in and you say, God, you have to forgive me for this. No, he doesn't. If you're broken over your bucket... And you come in and and God overwhelms you and you say, how could a perfect God love me when I have this? Then he says, let me, let me exchange this for my son. You see the difference? It's all about attitude. We walk out and we live any way we please and we fill up our bucket. It's a slap in the face of God. It's an insult to God. That is not following Christ. That's following some way. It's a path somewhere, but it is not the path to spiritual maturity. And we act like that all the time. That's exactly what this lady was saying. She grabs this young man and says, my bucket's empty. Let's get with it. And look what she says three times. I want you to see what she says to him. So I have come out to meet who I have been looking for. And I have found Three times. See, she understands that the male ego is the most fragile thing on the planet. And so she strokes his ego. I came looking for you. Not these other dudes. Because it says that, that Solomon saw a bunch of youths. No, no, I came for you, buddy. And he's going, did you hear that? She's looking for me. And he's strutting. Because he likes it. And he thinks, man, this is going to be good. She came looking for me. Can I tell you that he's already toast? At this point, he's done. He's toast. But she's not done. Look what she says. Verse 16, I have covered my bed with colored sheets from Egypt. I changed the sheets. (laughs) Okay. 
That's good. But she said, no, no, I didn't just change the sheets. I brought out the good stuff, whether it's bamboo, I don't know if you had any of that, or silk, whatever it is. It's the best stuff. And then she says, I made my bed smell like sweet, smell sweet with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. I don't know about the myrrh and aloes. I like cinnamon. All right, that's good. And in case there's any doubt about her intentions, look what she says. Come, let's make love until morning. Let's enjoy each other's love. And the young guy goes, this must be a music video because this just doesn't happen in real life. And then she says, my husband is gone and he's going, well, duh, I was hoping that. That should have, he should have run. You're married, you're dressed like that. You're acting and you're married. He should have run, but he didn't. She says he's gone on a long trip. He took a lot of money with him and he won't be home for weeks. We got all the time we want. You don't have to rush out. You don't have to worry about him coming in and you don't have to run out the back door. We can have breakfast in the morning. In fact, you can come back tomorrow night. You can come the night after that. You can come the night after that. We're going to have a great time. And look what happens. By her clever words, she made him give in. By her pleasing words, she led him into doing wrong. And really the the scriptures, uh, NIV says she seduced him with her words. My question is how hard was it? to seduce a dude that she's standing right next to. I mean, it's not like he was a hundred miles away and she's calling him on the phone going, Hey baby, why don't you, why don't you hop on that camel and just get on over here? Right? So if he'd have been on the right path, he's probably not going to give in. He's not going to be seduced, but he's on the wrong path. He chose to go. Now, whether we, he knew exactly where she lived or not, he knew the neighborhood. He knew the area and he knew there'd be women like this there. And he's hoping that he gets to see her and she chooses him. And he goes, man, this is such a cool event. This is, I'm like, I'm like an athlete. Women choose me. I walk down the street. They throw themselves at me. I'm a rock star. This is such a cool event. And the wise guy goes, no, 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 dude. This is, this is a path. In fact, look what the wise guy says. Verse 22. All at once he followed her like an ox led to the butcher. Now, the ox is on a path, and it's probably a very nice path. He's been led by his little bridle, you know, and he's, he's been led to a path. And it's, it's, is it a good path for the ox? No, for the butcher or the dude taking him in, he's going to get to benefit from that. But it's not good for the ox. That path is leading to a bad place. In case you don't get that, look what he says next. Like a deer caught in a trap and shot through the liver with an arrow. So it's like a deer walking along a path, having a great time, going to that corn. And there's a rope that gets her around the leg and she's pulling and she's pulling and she can't get out of it. And and then what happens? It's a great day for the hunter. It's not a great day for the deer. She's going to die in case you don't get that. Like a bird caught in a trap. He didn't know what he did would kill him. Now, I already know what some of y'all are thinking, especially the younger people. The younger people in this room are going, Dude, is that my dad sitting up there in the window? Lighten up, old guy. It's a one-time deal. I'm just going to have fun. I got time for God later. I want to have fun now. It's my life. I'm going to do this. I am not missing this date. It's just one time. And the old guy goes, no, 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 no. This is a path. And the, and the young guy goes, no, man, this is one step. It's not a big deal. And the old guy says, Solomon says, you're so far down that path. You don't even know you're about to die. Here's the difference in their attitudes. They have such a different perspective. Here's the difference. The old wise guy is looking at where you're headed. The principle of the path is taking you where you don't want to go. The young fool 
Because foolishness is the opposite of wisdom. He's focused on what he's doing. The young fool is focused on today. The wise man is focused on tomorrow. They're both looking at the same event, have a different perspective. And see, this reminds me, in scripture, we're called sheep. Sheep are not smart. Watch them. They're also not very pretty. We, we draw them pretty and they're not. They're stinky, smelly, they're dirty. So a sheep sees grass and they go, grass. And they go over, eat the grass. Grass. And they walk over here and eat more grass. Water. They go get water. Shade. Yeah. Ah. And all of a sudden they wake up. No, they wake, they, they look up and, and there's no shepherd. <laughs> and the shepherd comes along and scoops them up because they're too dumb to get back where they're supposed to go. The path. They were focused on the path, focused on the here and now, here and now, here and now. You wake up and you're far from where you're supposed to be. That's just not wise. And look what Solomon does. At this point in the story, he stops talking about the young man and he looks right at me and you and he gives us some very clear instructions. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. I was in youth ministry for 19 years. There were times that you would have a group and, and they would kind of get done, you know, distracted or whatever. I start going, hey, pay attention. You shut up. That's what he's saying here. Pay attention If you want to learn something, see, we always say that it's wise to learn from other people's mistakes. It is so much wiser. I said that wrong. We always say it's wise to learn from our mistakes. It's so much wiser to learn from other people's mistakes. So Joe and I need to share mistakes so that he doesn't make mine and I don't make his because we don't have time to make them all right. You don't have time to make all those mistakes. Stop trying to do them all yourself. That's just dumb. Now then, listen, my sons, listen to me and daughters, pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her. What? It's underlined for you into her. What? It's a pathway. Look what it says next. Many are the victims she has brought down. Uh huh. You thought you were special. You're not special. She's done this a lot. Her specialty is running men. You're one of many. Get over yourself. But she's my soulmate. No, no, no. You were a target. And she's going to bring you down. How can I be so harsh? I'm just reading the map. And the map says, if you're on that path, this is where you're headed. It's a predictable destination. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. You're part of a huge honking crowd of people. You're not special. You're predictable. The path you're on is predictable. We have seen this so many times that we can say with certainty, if you're on that same path, you're going down. This was written almost 3,000 years ago, and it could have been written last week by somebody who's observing American behavior. Specifically, he could have been observing people in Anderson County and written these words, right? It's so predictable. This isn't a special event. It's a predictable pathway, and where it leads is very obvious. Her house is a highway to the grave, a four lane super highway. This isn't little farm to market road. This is a, this is a super highway. It's exactly what Jesus said when he said the way to destruction, the gate is wide and the highway is wide and many people are on it. If everybody's doing it, it's probably wrong. He said, it's a highway to the grave leading down to the chambers of death. And if you're on this pathway, you're part of a herd of foolish people. Now, when I started this story, you already knew where it was going, didn't you? 
All I had to do was say he was going by her house and people went, oh, you've seen it. And see, the principle of the path is so easy to see when it applies to other people, to someone else. So easy. Oh man, they're messing up. They're messing up. It's not so easy when it applies to you. See, it's, it's like if you go to a counselor, whether you go to a preacher or somebody you trust or whatever, or you actually go to a licensed counselor and you start telling your story and the counselor will go, well, I bet when they did this, you felt like this. And, and you go, that's exactly how I felt. You're so smart. They're not smart. They've heard the same story 500 times before you walked in the door. It's predictable. Not special. It always ends the same way. If the, the, the principle of the path trumps your hopes and dreams, your good intentions every time. Let me give you some statements. Just some statements and you help me understand if the, if this, if the statement matches up with the path that someone's chosen. First statement, I want to marry a great Christian guy. So I'm going to go out with any guy who asks me out if he's cute. But if I'm really lonely, it doesn't even matter if he's cute. Ouch. Janie and I talked about this a lot and I've talked to this a lot of couples. Loneliness makes you do dumb. Loneliness makes you go out with people you wouldn't go out with. Loneliness makes you go places you shouldn't go. It's a dumb path. So don't, don't ever make decisions based on loneliness. You will not get where you want to go. I intend for my family to be close. I want to have a close family. So I'm going to spend every waking moment at work. Does that path lead to a close family? Um, I want my kids to respect me, so I'm going to cheat on their mom. I'm going to lie and deny everything. Does that lead to respect? Disrespect every time. I want to make an impact on my grandchildren, so I'm going to neglect my health today. Is that how to make an impact on your grand? No. I want to be at my college weight, so I'm going to eat Bluebell every night. Wait, that's mine. (laughs) Who put that in there? Why is Bluebell so good? And I don't care how many miles you ride on your bicycle. It does not offset a bowl of Bluebell. I've tried it. I want to be thin. So supersize it. I want to know God better. So I'm going to get up every morning and spend an hour on Facebook. I want to get married and have a great sex life, so I'm going to practice with every person I meet. Because that's how you get good at sex. Do you know there's not a single 50-year-old anywhere in the world who will tell you that the, the, way, the pathway to a great sex life in marriage is to have sex with as many people as possible? That doesn't happen. You carry those in. You carry the memories of your sexual partners into your marriage bed. So if you want to have the type of of sex life that God wants you to have, go down God's path. You don't have sex. You don't have anything to compare the other person to. And then when you love each other, you figure it out. And God cements your relationship through sex because you don't have that with anybody else. You have it with one person. Do it God's way. I want to have a great relationship with my husband, so I'm going to make my kids a higher priority than him. Now, he may not be very in tune emotionally, but he knows when the kids are more important than him and he doesn't like it. 
I want to be financially secure. So I'm going to get into as much debt as I can. I'm going to have 600 credit cards. I want my husband to be the spiritual leader in my home. So I'm going to criticize every decision he makes. Even the church he chooses to go to. Do those paths get you where you want to go? The reason we choose the wrong path is because there is something or someone on that path that has such an emotional hold on us. Not rational, not spiritual, not logical, not wise. It has such an emotional hold on us that we'll focus right on today. We'll focus on how it makes me feel. It's all about me. And we'll totally ignore where the path is going. And then we'll wake up someday far from God, mad at God that he didn't dare to take us where we want to go. God said, you weren't listening then. And God doesn't waste his time if you're not going to listen. He'll tell you. He's an incredibly loving father. He'll tell you the path you should go on. And when you ignore him, he's not obligated to rescue you. He's not obligated to redeem you until you're broken and you say, God, I blew it. Yes, I knew that. Your confession is not for God's sake. Your confession is for your sake. And when you confess it, God says, okay, I will restore you. Now you're going to miss all of the blessings that he had on the right path. He'll bring you over here, but you miss from this point to this point. You're going to miss all of it. He's not going to give you that stuff. He'll bring you over here and he's got stuff in the future. If you'll get on the right path, he will bless you in the future. And see, this principle of the path, it works for good or for bad. If you go the wrong direction, you're going to, you're going to suffer the consequences of the principle of the path. If you're faithful to God, he blesses you. If you're obedient to God, he blesses you. If you give to the kingdom of God and you serve in the kingdom of God, he blesses you, your faithfulness. He's looking for people that he can bless. He doesn't bless disobedient people until you're humble and you come back to him. So, so my question to you today is, is the path you're on leading where you want to go? Has someone recently warned you about the path that should be this big honking red flag? If somebody who loves you says, Hey, I'm not sure that leads where you want to go. Maybe you should listen. See, the problem is we think we're the exception to the rule. We think we're smarter than everybody else. We think that we're going to go down this path and there's not going to be any consequences. And Satan's been telling that lie since the Garden of Eden. You can eat of this fruit and, and God's, God's not going to do anything. You can walk down this path away from God and, and you can be where you want to be. That's a lie from hell. You think I'm the exception. I'm special. You're not special. You're predictable. So let's get on the right path. Does that make sense? Bow your heads for a moment. I want to ask you just a very simple question. Is the path that you're on leading you towards God or away from God? There's no in between. There's no neutral in the kingdom of God. You're either moving towards God or you're moving away from him. And if you're moving away from him, it's because you chose to do so. Would you ask God right where you're sitting, would you say to God, what path am I on that is not honoring you? Just ask him that.
and then ask him for the courage, the strength to get on the right path. If everybody around you is on the same path, that's a pretty good indication that you're on the wrong one. Father, would you make us a wise church who consistently chooses the right path? I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.